0: Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to Episode 7 of Hypnosis Weekly. And welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Uh, and yet again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a joy-filled delight of a show lined up for you today. Now, in a short while, I will be sharing with you an interview with former world champion sportsman, and in my opinion, the ultimate egghead of fat loss, Gary Turner. Mr. Gary Turner. Then I'll be taking a glance at some recent stories in the media where hypnosis has featured. Lots of hypnosis stories to choose from in the media this week. I'm going to offer up some personal, subjective commentary on the ways hypnosis is portrayed in the media, but also comment on some of the content of those media stories. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest Gary Turner this week. He and I will be discussing how and where hypnosis fits in with weight loss programs and how useful it really is uh, when it comes to weight reduction. We'll round things off with the hypnosis factoid of the week before I then bid you farewell for another week. This podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing the diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback, do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website. All the references made in the discussions, along with the related links, are posted at each episode on that Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. That's hypnosisweekly with a hyphen in the middle com. You can add your thoughts, comments and make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. So first of all today, this week's interview. I met Gary Turner for the first time back in 2011 when we were both speaking at the Change Phenomena Hypnosis Conference. Gary lit the place up and crammed in so much information that everybody was taken aback. The more times I've met him over the years and exchanged emails and had phone calls with him, the more I came to realize that's what he is like. He is an information and knowledge machine. He seems to consume information. I laughed to myself a while back when I read a little exchange online when Gary had posted a picture of a book that he was reading. Gary's good friend, the very lovely Mr Craig Galvin, had commented that a book should not be defaced and written on as Gary had done. Something I agreed with as I first read it. But then Gary's reply summed up his attitude. He stated that he does not read books, he studies them. And you know, his level of understanding matches that information that he seems to consume. One thing that has seemed to be commonplace among the numerous guests of this podcast so far has been humility. Those that really shine in this field I've tended to find demonstrate how good they are rather than telling everyone how good they are. Gary is just the same. During his time as world champion sportsman, he was given the moniker Gary Smiler Turner because of the way he smiled during fights. Some of his online discussions raise questions and fuel fiery responses from opponents. Yet Gary keeps placid, calm, seeks out evidence and retains composure that, in my opinion, makes him incredibly likeable. It was all of those things and the fact that he has offered me personally great support and friendship that I really wanted to get him on here. For those of you that listen all the way through today's episode of Hypnosis Weekly, I'll be referring to something Gary said in one of the segments right at the end of today's show and offering what I consider to be a fabulous prize for a competition that will be presented at the end today. So here it is then, enjoy this week's interview. So, as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to have with me the one and only Mr. Gary Turner. Gary, welcome to Hypnosis Weekly.
1: Adam, thank you very much for having me here. It's my absolute pleasure, and it's always, as you know, great to speak with you, mate.
0: Oh, thank you. Um, um, so, let's let us find out a bit about you. Um, um, how how did you get into this field? What, tell us a bit about your background. I mean... Uh, I know a bit about uh, uh, about some of your background, but for people that are perhaps not familiar with you, um, um, tell us a bit about how you arrived at where you are now within the field of hypnotherapy.
1: Right, It was a bit of a long journey, so I'll keep it as short as I can. But basically, I started competitive sport back in 1974 with swimming when I was four years old. Judo came along in 76 and started competing when I was in 1978. Um, And I I was very lucky to have some very, very good mentors involved. And they, they were concentrating just as much on the mind as well as the body and the technique. So right from an early age, I had some great input as to the mind is actually in control of the body, just as much as the body's in control of the mind. Yeah. You can't work one without the other. As my career develops, I moved into the kickbox and the tie box and mixed martial arts. Um, I was fortunate enough to to seek out and be sought out by further mentors and people who I can trust who could who could guide my mind into producing the best strategies, the best way of thinking to create the best results. Yeah. Um end result was I could test myself quite nicely. Um, I beat a lot of people who are far, far better than I could ever imagine being. But I beat them because of the power of my mind. Uh, and allowing myself to implement the right strategies um, and, and, and basically to take advantage of any weak points in this psychology, even when they're bigger, stronger, faster, technically better. You can take them apart. You can deconstruct them psychologically. So I, I was beating mm. all these people that are far better than me and then also noticing that when I lost, it was normally because my mind let me down rather than the body technique or ability. Okay. Um, sort of successful career I picked up 13 world titles across three different sports I was in rich teams for three different sports um but all the way underlying all of that besides all the physical training the physical conditioning the the, 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 the competitions I was doing it was my mind that was driving the way so I had a, a very healthy interest in uh, applied psychology right from an early age um and I basically wanted to to learn and understand how I can do what I actually do, because my body shouldn't be able to do what I do. Yes. Um, so I, I started studying psychology, physiology, and that led me down the path to hypnosis. Um, I certified in hypnosis in, uh, I think it was like 97, something, uh, sorry, 2007, something like that, Yeah. Um, instantly realizing that what I was taught wasn't actually hypnosis. Uh, it wasn't what I imagined hypnosis to be. And I it just fell well short. So I started a very quick journey of self discovery. Yeah. And basically since then and well since before then I've been studying two to six hours a day, every day. And I've just basically been covering as much as much as i possibly could initially the work's my leading peers i've been studying your work uh, i highly recommend anthony Jacquin's work reality is plastic should be the, the first book on hypnosis everyone should get um the trilby connection is great moving over to james Tripp, where i suddenly discovered hypnosis without trance and suddenly realized that the person didn't have to be asleep to do this yeah. work that's 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 quite a major breakthrough yeah um, and you know, I carried on working. There's there's other people like Craig Galvin. He's just a, he's a bit of a maverick. He'll take an idea off me, and he'll just you know give an idea and say go play with it. And he'll totally cut it and hack it and test it and field test it. Oh, do you realise you can do this over text and this over Skype? And he, he just expand it. In other words, what I've done is I I managed to set up a, a, a collection of leading peers who I could trust to guide me, uh, yeah. to mentor me, to teach me, to to bounce ideas off of. Um, as a result, I'm where I am today. Hypnotherapist, um, working in the field of human performance, um, still studying two to six hours a day every day.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I never cease to be amazed at, um, at, at at the stuff that you learn. And you seem to consume information, knowledge and books. You know, every time I speak, every time I look at your Facebook feed, I see new new ideas, information being passed on and shared and enjoyed. Um, um, And that, you know, that kind of dedication to development is really interesting to me.
1: Mm, I'm not sure if I'd call it dedication, more it's just the way that I am. Uh, With my sports career, you know, world champion at three different sports, British team in three different sports, from each of the sports, I learned different things each of which supported the others. For example, if you stay within the field just of hypnosis, you miss out on biochemistry, physiology, neuroscience, and all of which expands the area of hypnosis. Yeah. So by um, you know, so basically, I've been I've been studying um, as a, a general uh, a general headings uh, biochemistry physiology um, psychology neuroscience uh, cognitive linguistics and other linguistic areas uh, the works of my leading peers um, and also canine behaviour to get serendipity. Right, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know putting it all together suddenly just opens up this whole this whole sort of environment that isn't there if you stay within one field. For example, I know we're going to chat about it later, but nutrition, the field of nutrition, I find is in, there's only one, one person I've actually found that I trust within the field of nutrition. And that's because he looks outside of nutrition um, to, to check that everything that he's saying and everything he's teaching is correct. Um, if you stay with inside nutrition, for example, you can't understand weight loss, you need to look at the neuroscience, the psychology, the physiology, uh, the biochemistry. It just, it just expands the whole area. You've got to look at it as a holistic whole yeah. At the same time as looking at it as the individual elements, um, so what happens is I, I start to learn, and you start thinking, "Oh, what about this?" So you learn it from a different different viewpoint, um, and it just it just expands the knowledge that way. I I I just really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean that that, that comes through. Um, I mean within. Within your extensive reading, then, um, um, because yeah, we, we are going to talk about some of your other influences and some of your wider reading in a moment, um, or later on with our with our discussion. Um, um, but coming back to hypnosis, um, when people ask you about hypnosis, or or if you explain hypnosis to your clients or people at a dinner party, um, um, how do you define it? Um, I mean, how how and how did you arrive at that definition? You know, with regards to helping people understand what it is or what, what you believe it is and, and so on. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: I went on a little journey trying to find out what hypnosis was. The first question um, that I had is, is there a neurological marker for hypnosis? Yeah. Now, obviously, when you're in hypnosis, your brain is firing a certain way. Otherwise, you wouldn't be in hypnosis. But is there a common key area to all? And it turns out that there's not. Um, If you read Mapping the Mind by the um, journalist, she's a journalist, but a journalist within the field of neuroscience, Rita Carter, a book that I highly recommend that everyone gets. Um, In that book, she'll point out the experiments that show neurological markers of hypnosis, yet they don't actually show neurological markers of hypnosis.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, when, when you read it, you'll see what I mean. Yeah. Um, it's just that that's the neurological state that they were in at that point in time. Um, if I get someone to be relaxed, their body will relax. Then a relaxation isn't a marker of hypnosis; it's a marker of their body being relaxed. Yeah, it's just the same as you can be jumping up on stage, you know, jumping around and playing as your Elvis on, on stage and be hypnotised. You're definitely not sleeping then.
0: No, exactly. Uh, Like like I say to a lot of my uh, a lot of my students and clients, you know, I'm I'm engaging in self hypnosis strategies whilst running marathons. You know, overcoming pain and things like that. Um, you know, I'm definitely not relaxed at that point.
1: (laughs) Definitely not the speed you go, anyway. (laughs) You're too fast and too quick. Um, I need dogs to even keep up with you, as you know. (laughs) pulling me. But yeah, with, with hypnosis, the first thing is the name itself, hypnosis. A sleep like state well, if it 's a sleep like state, how can you be in hypnosis while running? How can you be in hypnosis jumping around you know playing the Luna's as Elvis on the stage you, you, you know you 're using hypnosis, but at the same time you 're definitely not sleeping, doing a little bit of research, and I, I found out I think it's James braid that coined the term hypnosis mm. instantly realized it was wrong and tried to change it back to the yeah. cumbersome but much more accurate monoidearism. yeah and it just started me thinking. I went on a little journey and you know, I had my own thoughts over the years as to exactly what hypnosis is. Uh, and I've decided it's a process and an end result. It's not you are in hypnosis. It's kind of an ongoing process. I think about it like uh, spinning plates. You spin the plates of hypnosis and you've got someone in, if you will, hypnosis when the plates spin on their own and don't need your hand spinning them. Uh, but to define that, I would define it, I think, I put some posts up on some forums to, to get some ideas for me to, to ponder and think on and research. And I, I think it was Steve Baxter, it was, it was, it was one, of your, one, one, one of your friends, um, Adam, that yeah. came up with it, and I thought, right, I'm swiping that. Uh, which is, hypnosis is when your imagination is guided so much that it becomes your reality.
0: Oh yeah, nice, that has got the hallmarks of Steve Baxter. Steve, if you're listening to this, Hello. <laughs>
1: got to give him the credit for i'm yeah. sure it's steve it wasn't steve i apologize to who it was we'll put a can we put an add on to to who gave me that credit? yeah
0: no, no no that absolutely sounds like that absolutely sounds like something steve uh steve would say and i think i've, I've heard him say something else i was best man at steve's wedding by the way for right. anybody yeah. listening um, um yeah yeah far away anyway Gary, sorry
1: cool. so, so you'll you know what that is now we expanded upon that uh working with Anthony Jacqueline course, he's got the automatic imagination model, um, which is, I believe, a very accurate description of hypnosis. Um, I wrote a blog on what I considered to be hypnosis back in April 2013, uh, which includes the hypnosis is when your imagination is guided so that it becomes your reality, which is that quote. Um, And then I move on to one that I worked with with Anthony Jacqueline. Uh, I say work with because the quote is his, but my breakdown of the terms are my own, which puts a, a personal twist on it, which yeah. not everyone will agree with. But hey, it's it's my work in you know expand yeah. my knowledge. Expand when people read it, uh, I'd love it if you can give your comments as to, to the elements of and how you see it all working. Yeah, but the, we'll, we'll you know,
0: put a link. We'll put a link to that blog entry um, under this episode. Cool, cool. Um, on, on the Hypnosis Weekly website Great
1: Excellent So the, the overall quote That we came up with That I, I actually I can't pick holes in Which is Hypnosis is a social construct That causes the cognitive processes Of automatic imagination Hypnotic responses Are defined by their subjective Subjective sensation Of automatity or voluntariness Involuntariness mm. Because they lack the knowledge Or feeling of intention Hmm Mm, interesting. A more, it's a more eloquent and broken down way of saying hypnosis is when your imagination is guided so it becomes your reality. Yeah, It makes it down more more usable breakdown bits. And I break down what I consider to be social construct, cognitive processes, automatic imagination, etc. In, in 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 the blog post. And uh, hopefully, the blog post will get people thinking about how they view hypnosis uh, and how they view hypnosis, um, and potentially expanding mine if they can give me some feedback
0: yeah 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 great great i like that that has a lot of um a great deal of crossover from from the 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 kind of leaning that i have myself um now gary you've mentioned quite a few people already um (laughs) i'm certainly you talked about the the um um, anthony um i'm who who are your major influences in this field? What are the kind of books and authors that have that have taught you the most and the teachers that have been the most influential upon you? Can you give me an idea as to the reasons why?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, okay, I started out going straight into the therapy world and realised I was completely um, not prepared right. <laughs> for, uh, for, for, for work as a hypnotherapist. Fortunately, I'd done some work with the army. And uh, I can't charge the army because they're the army. I get to go and play and abuse the uh, army school of physical training and mix with their instructors and get their input. Yeah. So uh, to repay me, they threw me on their NLP practitioner and then their NLP master practitioner courses. um, And delivered by the army, it was very much black and white. Right. Um, And. Not so much what I learned on the course, although I learned a massive amount. And you know, When you've got a guy that was on the attack on Goose Green uh, as your uh, instructor, you kind of pay attention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, there's, there's utmost respect there for him already. Yeah. Um, but I was working with the Army coach in the leadership school and the other, the other members of, of the group. And he had counter-interrogation specialists, linguistic um, specialists, leadership experts. Wow. And it wasn't just what I learned from the course itself, it was what I learned from the people on the course as well, which is yeah. absolutely spectacular. Um, and that, that that kind of set me up with actually more questions. <laughs> yeah. Hence why I started on, on on this sort of more focused study of hypnotherapy. But I needed to find focus. Uh, I needed to find sort of learnings. So I needed core skills. So core skills, um, initially I looked to um, the works of Head Hacking, Anthony Jacqueline's crew. Yeah. With Reality is Plastic and the Trilby Connection, which for me, uh, the book and the Trilby Connection being the DVD are the, the greatest pieces of very simple, very elegant works, very accurate works for more classical hypnosis, whether for street stage or hypnotherapy. It gives you yeah. the core cool skills that you need to create a hypnotic state and generate the phenomena, which is of course what hypnotherapy is all about. Yeah. That's what hypnosis is about. If you're not creating phenomena, what are you using hypnosis for? Um, How do you know you've got hypnosis? Because you can create phenomena that's involuntary, uh, the automatic imagination of it. Um, So I I, I looked to um, um, the works of Head Hacking for that, Reality is Plastic, and the Trilby Connection. Um, I then followed the works of James Tripp very closely uh, for Hypnosis Without Trance, because it shows that trance isn't actually... Um, uh, a model accurate within hypnosis. It's it's it comes with hypnosis, um, but not exclusively. if You with me? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um,
1: so you can get hypnosis with or without the classic trance, the sleep-like state, if you will, for yeah. what we call in trance. Uh, and it, it kind of throws all the biological markers. You know, oh yes, the skin will get very relaxed. You know, they may swallow a few times. The classic signals of hypnosis. You don't get hypnosis without trance, sure. but you're still doing everything and more than you would with maybe the classic model yeah so i studied his work uh, uh hypnosis without trance no fail protocol um um the hypnosis without uh, trance change work applications was a very good um uh, uh, add-on as well yeah. uh really like that work's expanded my thinking then anton uh anton jackwin and um kev sheldrake who've already had on of course great yeah. great passive if anyone hasn't hasn't listened to it highly recommend that one for sure yeah Uh, listen to that one as well Um, and they brought out the automatic imagination model which is a very simple 45 50 minute um, sound um, speaking soundtrack um, of them describing what what um, hypnosis is and so much resonated on that level and it kind of tied through the hypnosis without trance and the reality is plastic I started cross-referencing that then against all the classic books, the Almonds the of the World, uh, and all the classic hypnosis books that, that, that should be a, a stop just for history's sake yeah. on the uh, 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 any hypnosis shelf, although you can still get so much from it. And I did get a lot from that and, and, and the other classic books, because when I was um, uh, going through it, I could see how we could bring it forward to the modern age yeah. with what I'd learned from Head hacking and so on. Then, of course, I discovered your books, um, especially the latest one, which updates your previous ones. Um, uh, the 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 brilliant book Hypnosis for Running. I would say it's brilliant. The best bit, of course, is the first. Uh, well, but the, yeah, the forward is that. exceptional. <laughs> yeah.
0: The forward for that <laughs> book is of brilliant.
1: Course. Yeah, I got more from that book on self hypnosis. Um, and interventions that I have done in a long, term, long time from a lot of other people's works. Um, it's not just for running, it's for everyone that's working in hypnosis I feel should read that book. And of course you then crown that with your uh, um, self-hypnosis book, uh, which again massively leapt me forward. So that was my core skills. Core skills coming in, I would suggest the three areas. All uh, rather, the four areas were um, head hacking's uh, products, um, James Tripp's products, the hypnosis without trance products, your products on self-hypnosis, and then cross-referencing that against all the classic works. Yeah. it really, it really let me forward. And then, of course, so, you know, the physiology and neuroscience and rest of it all getting thrown in the mix as well, giving me a bit of serendipity. Yeah, yeah, but then I had to apply it to a therapy situation, and for that. Um, I highly recommend every single piece of work that um, Andrew T. Austin, Andy Austin, has ever done. Yeah. Um, I got so much out of all of his works on so many different levels. It's amazing. Um, it puts it into context of working with clients, not just clients, difficult, difficult clients as well. He's yeah. got a range of DVDs. He's got the amazing book, uh, The Rainbow Machine. Highly recommend getting that. Yeah, good. Um, and the moment I picked up, uh Andy Austin's work, it resonated with me because he was you know it's a former neurological nurse, um, he's got medical training and he thinks of things in a medical medical um uh a medical form which is a very welcome relief to me who who works in all things physical rather than woo woo. Yeah. So he resonated with me perfectly, and I've taken his work, I've studied IEMT, uh, I haven't studied his metaphors of movement, however, I have studied the work that he's done with that, uh, and cross-referenced it with metaphors in mind, clean language and such like, sure. uh, and, and, and other metaphorical ways of working, uh, even symbology and things like that, Uh it crosses over with the cognitive linguistics and the work of Lakoff. Brilliant, brilliant work. So, Andy Austin really helped me and all of his products, or Andrew T. Austin, if you search for him online, um, really rocketed me forward as a therapist. Ably assisted by a strange fellow. He's strange because he likes some strange music. No, he's great. He's great. He's a great musician as well. Nick Kemp highly recommend Nick Kemp's work he's got a few um, uh, phobia DVDs for example that are absolutely sublime he uses a provocative therapy and a provocative hypnosis approach not the Jürgen's um, uh, version of, of provocative hypnosis but the, the Frank Farrelly style yeah. of provocative uh, hypnosis and he does the, the provocative therapy approach and again from his DVDs one of the things that I really liked about his DVDs is there's a, a few of them he's got where he does the change work with a client, and then you get him, then you watch him work with the client all over again with little windows of him and Frank Farrelly, the guy that sort of founded and invented his uh, approach provocative therapy, talking through why he's doing things, you know what's happening, the end result, what to spot, and yeah. it has this level of detail. That just lifts the products far higher and i got so much from it not only that i got some really nifty um, uh, really nifty interventions and um, uh, hypnotic inductions um, uh, as well from it so i highly recommend that work as well
0: i mean I, i just have to briefly interject there well done on sneaking in the word nifty well done for sneaking in the word nifty. You, you, uh, you, I, I'm guaranteeing that you are the, uh, not, not just the first person on this podcast, but possibly the only person to ever use the word nifty on a hypnosis podcast. I, 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 as a result of that, I'm going to attempt to sneak in something like the word snazzy uh, in a future in a future <laughs> episode, just to see if I can compare with the casual use of the word nifty. Sorry to interrupt, Gary. Crack on.
1: No problem. I'm just wondering, will your will your snazzy, nifty interjection later <laughs> podcast be as eloquent and elegant as your French accent on your previous? Ah, yeah, podcasts? yeah, exactly.
0: That was slick. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: yeah, so basically, what I did, I I I sought the, um, I, I basically sought the works of my leading peers and, and, and studied them to get me some core skills. Uh, to increase my core skills, which I basically deconstructed, reconstructed, left bits out, to see if it will still work, found out exactly how I can make it, mind for me to work with. Um, And then I I, I studied it from a um, a therapy perspective. And again, in conjunction with the the classic works, the Jay Haley works and some of the Erickson works um, and and sort of the more classical approaches, crossing over and starting to have a study of cognitive behavioural therapy, uh, counselling where it works, where it doesn't work, what the crossovers are between it all, and of course, being an absolute geek, started going through the fourteen and a half thousand, whatever it is, PubMed citations that there are on yeah. hypnosis as well. Brilliant. and you know that continues to this day.
0: Brilliant. I'm, um, you know, I mean, it's so impressive. I, th- I think anybody starting out in the field that wants to learn how to be a good student should go and track down and watch the stuff that uh, that, that, that Gary does. It, it's so impressive. Um. So, so, I mean, within that experience and within that experimentation that you've done, what have been, what have been some of the more impressive applications of hypnosis that you've directly witnessed? Um, am I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me a bit about that.
1: Oh, cool. Um, one, one that <laughs> I, I like experimenting and I like delivering more than what my clients expect. And I've just read uh, I think it was Bob Scare's book Dr. Dr. Bob Schayer, or Bob Scare Robert Scare MD's book yeah. um, he's got a great book uh, one of them is Eight Keys to a Mind-Body Balance yeah. It sounds a bit of a woo-woo title but it is actually a brilliant book yeah. um, and he was describing the, you know, studying the physiological effects of our memories uh, and I had a client coming in to see me and had a bit of fun with him as well and I watched him walk in he was coming in to remove the negative emotion around a motor vehicle accident he'd had a car crash and wanted to basically clear his mental crap around it as he walked in I noticed something as I noticed it I started to giggle and thought hey why not let's have some fun Um, so he came in he sat down in my lounge as all my clients do and I said so what are we here for today and then I went hold on just a thought I know we're here to deal with the motor vehicle accident but I've just worked something out a car came at you from front right, didn't it? It came at you from front right and struck the front right of your car. You turned away sharply to the left, but the seatbelt restrained you, so you couldn't move any further. Is that right? <laughs> and it's George dropped you said, "How the hell did you know that?" <laughs> so of course I have a bit of fun. I go, "I'm psychic." Well, actually, I'm not psychic. Blue fairy. I've got blue fairy on my mantelpiece. Uh, yeah, I collect f- um, Professional, former professional fighter, who collects fairies. But I've got blue fairy <laughs> on the mantel. He's my favourite fairy. I said, "Well, blue fairy's actually telling me she's a psychic one. She's picked up that that's what that's what happened. You know, so I'm not psychic, but blue fairy's telling me that that's what happened. You're telling me that's right, and he's now looking at me <laughs> that I'm completely mad, yet I'm completely right with what I, with what I was saying. Now, what it transpires is as he was the golden rule of neurology is Hebb's laws you know neurons that fire together wire together so as you access a memory as you access the memory your neurons fire in your best impression of 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 that memory to yeah. do a gross generalization of memory there uh, yeah. but your neurons that fire together wire together so when you access the memory the neurons fire that way of course the neurons are your, your brain your central nervous system your peripheral nervous system all the way through to the motor neurons at the end as he walked in was walking very tight on his left hand side, working out the kinetic flow of the accident. It pointed out to me that he was holding on to, you know, holding tension on the left side of his body completely. Now, if a car came at you front right, the first thing you'll do is try and move away. Yeah. yeah. So he'd move away to his back left. He would turn in his seat because he got the seat acting as a fixator behind him. The seatbelt would restrain him, causing tension on that left side. As he was accessing the memory, he was uh, um, stiffening up on the left-hand side. Turns out he had been to see a neurologist because he had reduced movement in his left arm and indeed on the left side of his body. And the neurologist said, we can't find anything wrong, you've just got to learn to live with it which to me is a classic signal that that guy's not a good neurologist because he should refer to someone that could explain it. Yeah. But it also tells me that there's nothing physical that can be spotted. It's generally a psychosomatic uh, that I can I can potentially help with. By the way, just to make clear, because I keep on having to do it, psychosomatic is completely real to you guys that are listening. Otherwise, it would just be psych. If it's just in your mind, it would be psych. But yeah. psychosomatic is a somatic bodily representation. It's just the mind causing bodily representation of process. it. Yep. So it was a you know it tells me it's a psychosomatic. So interestingly when I moved the memory on, the episodic memory on, uh, from instead of the point of absolute terror with a car crashing in and no place to go, the classic four criteria of post-traumatic stress disorder, um, where the, the stop point for every reference to the accident was him frozen, tensed up to the left hand side in terror when uh, I moved that on to a place when he was actually quite relaxed and happy and comfortable interestingly his whole left side relaxed as well and he got his movement back much to the annoyance of the neurologist for the hypnotherapist to be able to solve it <laughs> <laughs> a lowly hypnotherapist when um, uh, a, uh, you know, the, the neurologist actually couldn't do the work I mean, great. And he only managed to do that because I just read Dr. Bob Scow's book the day before yeah I, I
0: mean I think that perhaps we ought to start naming you Sherlock Turner as well, based upon based upon your deductions. I, I, I absolutely brilliant, brilliant there.
1: Um, Actually, it's the funny thing on that is that my, my brother is uh, a, a, a geek, but within, whereas I'm a geek in, in the field of human performance, he's a geek in the field of uh, uh, technology and uh, programming. And apparently on Facebook, someone, we're having a row on Facebook in public, <laughs> and someone said, oh, my God, it's like uh, it's like Sherlock Holmes having an argument with his brother. Yeah. Is it Mycroft, isn't it? It's yeah. like Sherlock Holmes and Mycroft Holmes having an argument together. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I've heard I that before. Um,
0: I'm, I'm, now, um, um, you, I mean, heck, I, I've seen I've seen a lot of a, a lot of your own journey and um, yeah, and your development within the field, you know, and and having gone through <laughs> that and and so much and I have so much experience and such, um, 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 throughout your career and and the stuff before that, um, you know, if you could go back to when you started within this field, knowing what you know now. Is there anything you do differently? And if so, what is that? Or, and what advice would you give the person that you are today to, to that younger Gary uh, um, that, that perhaps you might consider extending the similar advice to hypnotherapists of today that are starting out or that are established?
1: I would suggest that everyone questions everything that they're told and find their own answers. Yeah. Um, on my first hypnosis course... Um, I believe that everything I was telling was 100% correct. I yeah. learned very, very quickly in the following week that I had not actually been taught hypnosis. I've been taught relaxotherapy.
0: relaxer therapy. Yeah.
1: Not the same thing at all. Um, and I was, I was, you know, grossly underprepared for the industry and the work that I was able, you know, looking to do, um, setting me off on my own little journey. Uh, so I would question everything. I still do. Um, for example, uh, the only person in the field of nutrition that I've learned to trust is a, a professor of um, um, nutrition from Reading U- University. Um, happens to be a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt as well, which helps. But uh, Daniel, yeah, Daniel Kermain, um, he's the only guy in the field of nutrition that I trust. However, everything that he says, I still question. Yeah. I question to understand his point of view, then go and research it myself. And the reason why I trust him, he's the same as me. Right. So he questions what he's getting told as well. In yeah. fact, he's on, um, he was featured on Her- an Horizon program last night, which was quite interesting to see him on there, getting some proper information across. Uh, but in other words, whoever's teaching new hypnosis, whoever's teaching new hypnotherapy, um, understand that their way is not the only way. Uh, they may be right with what they're saying, but there may be a better way too. Well,
0: There's a a fundamental error in some, I mean, excuse me interrupting, there's a fundamental uh, error in a lot of hypnotherapy training that, you know, anybody that teaches just one single dogmatic approach and and, and then entrenches themselves in it and and expects everybody just to pick that up, copy it and work with it, is something that I encounter a great deal whereby, and, and it's one of the reasons, and it's a real bugbear of mine, it's one of the reasons why there's so much bickering Online um, and, and in forums and and so on, because people get taught one way, become loyal to that one way of doing things. Um, don't know any different. Don't really want to know what the difference is. Um, um, and then, and then are deeply offended if someone offers up something uh, as an alternative, or even you know potentially refutes it or
1: questions it. It it does my head in. it really does Um, I like to try and expand their minds a little bit for example um, just google hypnotherapy and even some of the listeners here will will probably be having the same thing, that you can't be made to do anything under hypnosis that you wouldn't do under a normal you know, you uh, you can't be made to do anything out of your control now, yes you can Um, that's a you know, you can definitely be made to do something that, that that's out of your control you can be controlled by another person uh, you definitely can be made to do something that you that, that, that would be against your morals um, a case in point um, the people who are saying that you know you can't be you, you can't be controlled by another uh, you can't be made to do something that you wouldn't normally do they're they're not going to be successful with clients if you think about it something that comes to you just for simple stop smoking one part of them wants to stop smoking the other part of them doesn't want to stop smoking therefore if you can't change that part can't make it to do something it doesn't want to do how are you going to be effective as a hypnotherapist yeah so just holding on to the idea of it whether you believe it to be right or wrong just holding on to the idea of it is based and putting it out on your your publicity is telling people that you're not going to be able to help
0: yeah. It's an interesting, it's a really interesting discussion. Um, um, in fact, I'll probably have to uh, consider getting you on again another time to have that discussion because it's one that I'd love, love to have in, in, yeah. a, in a lot more depth. Um, um, now, um, just because of where we're at with time, Gary, I'm um, um, just tell me, where can people go to learn more about your work and your approach to hypnosis and read more about you in general terms and what you offer the world?
1: Cool. Well, I've got my website, which is uh, garyturner.co.uk, you've got an email contact on there, my number as well, uh, although I would prefer uh, emails, because I work <laughs> with clients quite a lot, as well, you know, obviously, um, but you know, that's my, my contact details are on there, so please get in touch if you've got any questions, or want to expand on anything, or do you know something, even more importantly, tell me where I'm wrong, I like that, especially if you can do so with evidence, because you know, I'm only where I am now on my journey, I'm learning more each and every day. Yeah. So my my opinions change with with new knowledge. But yeah, GaryTurner.co.uk. You can you can find me there. Um, I've got a book on anxiety, uh, No Worries, that you can find on Amazon around the world, and that's in Kindle format as well as paperback. Um, and I have a blog as well that I'll give you the link for. But if you put it in Google Gary Turner blog, it will come up uh, as, as the first one usually. Um, and on that, I, I cover all things to do with human performance. Uh, now, interestingly, on that, I have got to say uh, that I'm keeping up every post that I've made on there, and it's fun for me to go back and see old blog posts that I now think completely different on. Yeah. <laughs> so don't think it's my current position, but do read the blogs, have a laugh, um, and, 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 Hopefully, it'll make you think, which is the important thing. So that's that's what I've got at the moment, of course.
0: Brilliant, and there will be um, permanent links to to each of those uh, within within the Hypnosis Weekly website under the episode with Gary. Um, um, I really admire and enjoy your humility, Gary, and that is, you know, this this ability to to yield. Um, 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 you know, if something supersedes what we're doing. Um, and for me it's a sign of strength, it's a sign of development, um, you know, there's been a couple of real fundamental um, um, aspects to my own career and my own life where I've absolutely questioned and had to just reject what I was championing so so vehemently uh, earlier on in, in my life and my career. And it's so lovely to encounter um, um, other people that, that that are of that ilk as well. Um, thank you so much for that and thank you for your candor and um, we will be right back with Gary Turner in a short while and we're going to go and discuss uh, the use of hypnotherapy as an aid to weight loss. Thank you,
1: Gary. My pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: Now, let's have a look at this week's hypnosis in the news. Um, First up this week, I wanted to mention a story that uh, features in a tabloid newspaper, The Daily Star, Um, and it's entitled UFC star TJ Dillashaw consulted a hypnotherapist before defending his title. Um, Hypnosis had a really successful effect and helped uh, him to get his mind in a good place after his plans had been interrupted and uh, he successfully defended his title. It's a really good story. Um, The truth is, you know, hypnosis can advance performance massively and also aid the personal belief system of those performers. You know, it raises an interesting issue that I often discuss in a wide variety of places. Hypnosis is not something that you stick in a syringe and then intravenously inject into your body or someone else's. It's not giving anyone anything that did not exist within them as potential anyway. It's like people who claimed in the 1990s that the boxer Nigel Benn had an unfair advantage in the boxing ring because Paul McKenna had worked with him. It still had to, you know, Nigel Benn still had to go in the ring and fight he was still only using himself as his tool. Hypnosis shows how to make more of your mind and how to use it to enhance so many facets of yourself. Um, um, TJ Dillashaw then joins the ranks of you know, numerous recent Olympians, for example, um, such as Vincent Hancock, the skeet shooter who used Hypnosis to get a gold medal. Australian pole vaulter Steve Hooker used hypnosis when he got a gold medal and the Olympic record. And also former Olympic silver medalist from Canada, Angela Bailey, who is now an actual hypnotherapist herself. I could go on to list sporting achievements aided with the use of hypnosis. Um, um, interestingly, I'll be hosting a special issue of this podcast in a few weeks' time with a world record-holding ultrarunner who uses hypnosis and self-hypnosis to aid performance. Um, this week, we also saw a couple of celebrity endorsements of hypnosis. Firstly, Kim Kardashian has used hypnosis successfully to help reduce weight, and Lindsay Lohan is using hypnosis to help her stop smoking. These types of stories show how intriguing the subject of hypnosis is. Hypnosis turns average regular stories or non-stories really into something more interesting and media worthy, it would seem. If Lindsay Lohan was using nicotine gum to try and stop smoking, would big news articles be made about it and spread around the Internet, I wonder? It shows and illustrates one of the kinds of issues that we face in this field. We we'd like more credibility. We'd like more widespread spread approval, which comes with more kind of serious approval from research and so on. Yet we also benefit from celebrity endorsement and newspaper coverage that comes with it, despite the sort of fantastical depiction and perpetuation of misconception that often accompanies such stories. And this is also true about our final story this week. Making headlines in the UK press at the moment is the news that Philip Schofield, the popular TV presenter here in the UK, is going to host a new television show entitled Back in the Room, whereby contestants are hypnotised by international mentalist Keith Barry. Hypnosis is used to deter the contestants from achieving certain tasks they are set in the show. Now, doubtless there'll be critics of this show, and I'll likely be one of those people who objects to hypnosis being portrayed in this fashion. Yet, it'll also boost the profile of hypnosis in general, as Paul McKenna's TV shows did in the 1990s, and it'll also deliver more of the idea that hypnosis is powerful. I'll certainly be tuning in, probably swearing at my telly while all my friends and family enjoy it as a rollickingly good entertainment show. Many academics that I converse with regularly believe that entertainment forms of hypnosis and clinical applications are distinct, have distinct frames and ought not be classed as the same thing. Yet for now, we live with it and make the best out of it. Links to all of these stories are listed under this week's podcast entry on www.hypnosis-weekly.com. Have a good read of those. Let me know what you think. Next up, we have this week's professional discussion. Gary Turner joins me again and we discuss how hypnosis can be used to help individuals with weight loss and weight reduction. This application of hypnosis gets a lot of positive media coverage, and so I thought I'd ask Gary his thoughts, as he is absolutely my own go-to person when it comes to anything weight reduction or fat loss related in the world. Let's go straight into that now. Okay, so I'm back now with Gary Turner. Um, I i 've just been speaking to Gary, and i 've mentioned this to him a couple of times now. One of the things on my training courses when we sort of talk about developing our careers as 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 hypnotherapists, one of the things I talk about a lot is is developing a niche and whether you 're a, a, a firm believer in dominating niches or not, it certainly worked very beneficially for me, both with my hypnosis for running work and with my exploration of self hypnosis. Um, One of the the sort of hard and fast rules that I used to say to all my students and and pretty much still do say to the vast majority of them is that some of the bigger niches would perhaps be beneficial for you to avoid. That is, you know, if you're going to get into stop smoking, you've got a huge amount of competition if you want to dominate that niche. And I say the same for weight reduction. Weight reduction across the world is multi-billion-dollar industry. You know, everybody's got a different take, and it's so difficult to keep right on track with the developments in the field, the scientific breakthroughs. And really, Gary made me eat those words. Um, excuse the pun there, but Gary made me eat those words because. What Gary went on and did was just explore, investigate, and rip apart this field. Um, you know, he, he single-handedly took on big multi-level marketing companies and, and and sales of weight loss products and examined their efficacy in the research and so on. He looked at physiology, he looked at nutrition. Heck, last time I saw him face to face, he was quoting uh, release of hormones and, and all kinds of things when it came to weight reduction, and I was thinking, blimey. This guy knows his onions when it comes to weight reduction, and he is he's nailed this this fu- this market this field. And he's if you go and look at his Facebook page, for example, I mean, go and follow him. I don't think he's got enough room to be your friend, <laughs> but you know, go and follow him because if you look at his newsfeed, you see people from all over the world go and ask him stuff. They go and ask his advice, They go and ask what his thoughts are on anything to do with weight reduction, and. So, I wanted to discuss and I, and I asked Gary if it would be okay for our discussion, because you know it speaks on lots of different subjects to speak about weight reduction and the use of hypnosis because there really isn't a huge amount of evidence to support just hypnosis and and weight reduction, yet it's one of the most media friendly applications of hypnosis it's supported in the media in particular with the recent gastric band phenomena of the past few years. Um, um, but generally the evidence would suggest that probably the way forward for us is that hypnosis be part of a more comprehensive treatment plan as far as weight reduction is concerned and not just an out and out alternative that it be an adjunct or perhaps to work complementarily with a number of other things and so i really wanted to pick gary's brains a bit and discuss with him how he works in the hypnosis to his treatment plans with clients who are looking to reduce their weight or where it features, where it figures in the grander scheme of everything else. Um, Gary, is that, without asking you a direct question, is that something that you could start answering now? Or do you want me to start asking questions?
1: I can start ask, well, I can, I can dive yeah, straight yeah, in, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, for everyone listening, um, basically, the weight loss, or what I term it as the fat reduction industry, um, is basically a realm of muppetry. Um, everyone appears to be presenting something for their own aim which is lining their pockets with money without actually looking to see what works and what doesn't Um, it's absolutely amazingly completely inaccurately represented. Um, as you know, we, we, we've had marketing all the time, you know, the before and the after pictures and so on. I took this and this provided this result. Um, and it's all a complete load of codswallop. Um, there's, a, again, uh, I've already mentioned him, Daniel Kermain, um, the professor of nutrition at Redden University, yeah. um, only guy on nutrition I trust. He's helped lead me to read certain texts and lead me in certain directions of knowledge to help expand upon it and one of the great books that he led me to which you know it it, it is a realm of geekdom for me and you'll appreciate it being evidence-based too is a book called the textbook of obesity and it's like the systematic review the the meta-analysis of all the systematic reviews and (laughs) meta-analysis into the, the realms of obesity and what people try and do about it now here's a thought 95% of all of those of all of those people who try to diet with a calorie deficit a year to 18 months after they start end up bigger yeah so if everything in the in the industry is working why does it not work a year to a year and a half after the date and people are bigger in other words results from a calorie restricted diet Ninety-five percent of the time, according to statistics of hundreds of thousands of people, ninety-five percent of the time, the results are transient at best. In other words, you're more likely to end up fatter, and only five yeah. percent maintain the weight off that they've lost. Well, I suppose there's a, a similar. Thought.
0: I suppose there's a similar notion to, to within the, the the self-help industry that is, you know, if if it was that um, if it was that good, it would it would. It, you know, it, it, it would make itself extinct. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, um, weight reduction market, if there was something that, the, you know, that if the calorie control, calorie di- controlled diet type of approach that is so popular um, um, really, really did work, then it, it, you know, it ought not be around. Same as, you know, self-help market.
1: That's right. I mean, it's designed to fail. Basically, uh, I'm losing weight. I'm losing weight. I'm losing weight. And then they come off the product and they put the weight back on. So they go back on the product. So it's about, um, as, uh, I think it was the, the, the founder of Red or Dead or Pret-a-Manger. I can't remember which one it was now, but the famous quote is, um, um, building a business is about looking after the customers you've already got. Yeah. Um, and getting the repeat business, uh, and that's what the entire weight loss industry is uh, set out to do. That's interesting, actually, that you know, just to blow people's minds a little bit on uh, the weight loss industry, you mentioned the horrible word calorie. Yeah, everywhere across the diet world, you've got calories now people will say that a pound of fat is 3500 calories it's not it's somewhere between 3800 and uh sorry uh, 2800 uh and 3750 or something like that and therefore if you reduce your know, by 500 calories a day in a week you'll have lost a pound of fat well actually no you won't why would that actually come from fat? Uh, people will get told that a calorie is four, four, uh, one, one gram of protein and carbohydrate will give you four calories and one gram of uh, uh, fat will give you nine. Even that's wrong. It's actually 4.1, 4.1 and 9.4 and they're just averages. There's actually quite a wide range between the two. Uh, measuring the food that you eat is almost impossible to get accurate. Yeah. So the calories that you're actually ingesting um, aren't going to be accurate in the first place. Not only that weight loss is not about eating less and exercising more. Uh, for example, the calories in five to ten percent of that will go straight out of your body. Uh, there's an energy cost of processing protein far higher than fat and carbohydrates. So you know each each calorie each gram of a macronutrient that goes in isn't treated the same by the body uh, and then we come to the measuring the calories out unless metabolism's a funny thing it's always in a state of metabolic flux We're always the energy levels in the body are constantly changing and the only ways of getting it right is to live in a laboratory bubble or by something called the double lady double labeled water technique over several weeks or months uh, it's it's completely inaccurate so to even mention calories in my opinion, is a bad idea in respect of diets because it's just a completely inaccurate way of working. And recently, a spokesperson for the World Health Organisation, the WHO, I always imagine Roger Dawkins <laughs> yeah. an amazing drummer in the background. Uh, but the, the the WHO, the World Health Authority, or sorry, World Health Organisation, um, they've even come out and said that uh, calorie counting is so inaccurate that they don't recommend it as well. So the whole whole industry is just based on perpetuated myths and Repeat business, and I'm in dismay at it, to be quite honest.
0: And and I suppose you know, as as a hypnotherapist as well. I mean, you 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 are the exception to to this rule as well. But that is that that primarily, you know, a hypnotherapist, it's not really their sphere of competence to be giving dietary advice unless they've got knowledge or or training or whatever. You know, and I've got to be honest, you know, I spend enough of my time reading in my own particular field of interest, um, and and consume a lot of time. With 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 that study, I, I you know I don't have enough time, um, or, or or to be quite honest, the inclination to know as much as you know on this subject matter, and for that reason, you know, I think that that someone else, you know, uh, the things I can then help with uh, uh, become different. You know, I'm not advising them on diet or activity. That perhaps someone with more specific or more specialist training might be more inclined to to do that, and I form part of a uh, a, a gamut of of interventions. Um, 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 where and how then does does hypnosis or where where can hypnosis fit in as far as your own approach is concerned and what you do with your clients here with this.
1: Yeah, sure. Now, one thing, again, from textbook of obesity, when you look at the 5% who actually lose the, the, the weight, there's some, uh, there's some key areas. One of which is uh, uh, getting the right exercise and the right physical activity in. Yeah. Uh, the other one is to sort the diet out. Yeah. Basically, if you help them eat whole foods from natural sources, generally you're not going to go wrong. Um, they have peer support. In other words, a group of friends or a network of people um, who who are helping them and giving them assistance. Um, And also, they get psych support, whether in the form of counseling, CBT, hypnotherapy, or some other psych support in there. In other words, to help them with their will to stick with what they need to do, which is to make the changes in their lifestyle to take the weight off and keep it off long term. So we've got all these components in there. Uh, The first thing I do, of course, is work with motivation motivation um as the army quite often will, will say is uh, motion through emotion right so motivation yeah. is motion through emotion and you know in the world of uh, the field of nlp negative emotions move you away from positive emotions move you towards from uh to, towards so what i do is uh, I, I attach negative emotion to the old path and a positive emotion to the new desired path uh, so we motivate them to mobilize them um, in every change that they need to make. Now, I'm because of the knowledge I've got um, and my uh, um, uh, personal training background, uh, the physiology, biochemistry side, uh, nutrition side that I've got, I can advise on the right exercise, physical activity and diet for them. Yeah, and I can recommend they go and get peer support. However, the uh, the, the average hypnotherapist uh, probably still thinks that saturated fat is bad for you. Um, yeah, sure. and, and other perpetuated myths that, that aren't actually accurate. Worth saying on that, that anything in excess, even water, is bad for you can be toxic to us. So it's, uh, you know <laughs> I'm not saying go out and eat as much saturated fat as you like. No, uh, you know, no everything of Everything in course. moderation is a good as a good rule, so I'll help them to find the right exercise at the right times in the right way. Um, and notice I said exercise or physical activity. The reason being is that a lot of people will have a belief structure around the word exercise, that it must mean go in the gym and get brained more on. Moronically running on a treadmill you know in a, in a, yeah. you must have seen them the, the robots in the gym on the machines yeah. just going through and to be honest that, that, you know, I like to go out in the countryside you know I, when I run yeah I go out and run silly distances I, I, I go out and I, I cover miles I cover distance I, I see things I experience things you know I take in nature that for me is fun exercise but you know most people have kind of got a, a negative connotation of exercise exercise is hard and things but here's the thing physical activity is exactly the same gives exactly the same benefit physical activity is a different word it's got a different deeper structure beneath it giving different meaning to people and physical activity could be just in the garden doing the housework just timing it at different times in conjunction with where you need to be in your metabolic day so to mobilize and utilize the fat stores yeah so i i i change um People's, I remove the, the negative beliefs, basically, on things like that uh, and move them to the, towards the, the positive things. Um, so basically, I help them get the exercise and physical activity in that they need and to get the right motivation and to create whatever space in their life is necessary for it or to, dare I say it, multitask, combine <laughs> the, combine the uh, 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 physical activity with their daily life in such a way that it doesn't actually create any time cost to them yeah cool for example uh, i study two to six hours a day every day it's one of the things i've got into the habit of process of doing but i very rarely just study on its own i'll be doing it doing you know more than one thing at once if i'm on a journey i'll have a study tape on study tape i've just shown my age uh, study <laughs> MP3 um study mv3 on audio cassette you got it <laughs> you got it yeah i'll be onto the eight tracks again next um, <laughs> Yeah, put the record on. Um, yeah, so I'll so be playing a, a soundtrack, uh, a study soundtrack in the background. So I'm multitasking. I'm going from A to B, but I'm also learning at the same time. I look to multitask and um, multitask. Got American multitask uh, and incorporate the, the learning amongst my day-to-day activities. Um, so I help people do that with the exercise and physical activity. Yeah. With the with the diet, I give them as much information as I possibly can what I do I run through with them how they're eating and what they're doing on a a general day and because of the knowledge that I've got I'll let them know what's happening inside their body what I want to do is help them go from a fat storing mode through to a fat mobilization and utilization mode Mm. so what I do I I take off them uh, uh, the average day work out what it is that they're eating and let them know what's happening inside their body when they do it in other words I'm giving them knowledge now from that knowledge they're better placed to make the right choices so the psych support from hypnotherapy I will then help them make the right choices uh, embed them um, and set along that path Um, what I basically do is help them become the people that they actually want to be
0: yeah i mean that's really interesting so i i mean um, um motivation absolutely features um, um w- within my own work using hypnosis and hypnotherapy as a form of their that their, their motivation um I'm, I'm i'm looking at beliefs and and updating beliefs And I'm helping them with decision making, choice making, certainly from a a cognitive behavioural hypnotherapy perspective. There's a lot of imaginal rehearsal, for example, that we use, as well as um, the kind of cognitive relationship with both food and with themselves and their own identity. And their own identity is something certainly, certainly that I look at a great deal as well. Um, um, and you know, I, I'd like to think that the vast majority of people, um, probably, probably, or, 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 or hypnosis professionals anyway, have a good range of those kinds of things. Um, now, last time we spoke, when, when we met, um, um, you also said to me something about um, hormonal changes with regard when you were imagining certain foods. Am I right? Or have I just said something random? No,
1: you're you're, you're correct. It was at uh, the National Hypnism Conference, Change Phenomena. And uh, again, I consider him one of my leading peers. In fact, um, he's the only psychologist I'd refer someone to see. He's the only one I've found that I can trust enough to send people to. Um, And he's brilliant. We have skill swap days. And I've learned a lot from him. Um, Felix Economicus. Yeah, He's got a practice in London. Um, Interestingly, he says that he doesn't do much that he's learned from psychology, but he does this very similar stuff to what what I and you do, Adam, which is quite cool. Um, And he was presenting on his breast augmentation protocol, or BAPS, as he called it, for, for the entertainment value. And people didn't get to grips with it. Now, one of the things was he was asked to talk about it. And basically what happened was originally a, a, a couple of his clients had asked him whether hypnosis could work with breast enhancements and he quite openly said I've got no idea but hey let's give it a go yeah. and he started thinking about it and he got some great results that warrant a lot of further investigation and although he presented his protocol and how he was working um, and the results at change phenomena I do feel people completely missed the point and the point is there are massive, uh, when we think something, when we imagine something, there are massive physiological changes that happen in the body. These include hormonal changes. So, for example, with his uh, breast augmentation, he would get the mind to create the hormonal reactions in the body, the hormonal releases in the body, things like estrogen release, yeah. uh, the hormones that will, in, and the conditions in the body that will create the breast to grow oestrogen um, of course being a potent fat burner at the same time yeah. that's why a lot of his uh, test subjects uh, remembering what I'm saying they're test subjects yeah. uh, in other words he's experimenting uh, to see what's hap- what would happen they lost weight as well yeah
0: they were thinner uh, around the waist weren't they as well as... you got it yeah, yeah
1: yeah. so the breasts got larger uh, and they lost body fat as well that's because he's creating oestrogen uh, 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 um, as, as part of the protocol now a lot of the people miss the point that we actually create hormonal changes in the body just with the thought, and it happens on a day-to-day basis. So, for example, we have the when you or I get ready to go for a run, we'll enter the anticipation phase of exercise. Unconsciously, we know what we're going to do, so our body starts releasing the right stress hormones to prepare our body for the physical activity. We'll have a, a cardiorespiratory response. Uh, we'll have uh, vascular constriction and deconstriction. Um, our, our body will be adjusting in preparation for the exercise we're about to do. But we haven't started yet. And that happens, we've just imagined that we're about to do it. We've anticipated the activity and the body makes the changes. Yeah. And the same happens with eating. It's called the cephalic phase of eating. Uh, it's, it's spelt with a C, but it's pronounced K. Medical world always throws me these curveballs. <laughs> now I am given a workshop, and a medic goes, "That's actually a cephalic, Gary, not <laughs> cephalic," and, and I have to learn learn the right term. Um, I'm using the right term, but pronounce it the right way. So the cephalic phase of eating, when we um, when we sense uh, food, in particular carbohydrates, our body goes into the cephalic phase. Insulin is the hormone that's released. Now, insulin takes a little bit of time to get in the system. And insulin is a hormone that with one of its many um, activities is to take excess blood glucose and store it. So it's a way of regulating our insulin is produced to regulate our blood sugar levels, our blood glucose levels. And as we anticipate eating the food, as we sense the food, Uh, It fires up our salivary juices, our our digestive juices all fire up and all the enzymes start being uh, secreted and insulin is secreted in preparation for the food coming in to lower the blood glucose levels from the food. Now, that happens. The classic uh, hypnosis demonstration. Uh, let's see how great your imagination is. Cut into the lemon, imagine juice. You know, squirting it and juice it. You can taste it now, can't you? Uh, and people's mouths start salivating. The classic lemon test. That's just an example of the cephalic phase of eating taking place. And what you're seeing happening is behind the scenes, or what you're not seeing happening is your body's producing insulin and things. This is why just thinking about eating foods, in particular, because more insulin is produced when you imagine eating sweet foods, carbohydrate-laden foods, you actually start getting hungry. You imagine eating mm. the food, Insulin's produced... To in preparation for the blood sugar coming in, the blood glucose coming in to lower it back towards to, to our homeostasis our our, our our correct set point for blood glucose, but as it 's produced, if we don 't eat anything, it starts to store the blood glucose that is there as the blood glucose starts to drop, of course, that fuels our hunger, and then we start getting a bit of the munchies, yeah, so you can just imagine eating food and you 're getting hungry.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 I'm fascinated by this by this concept, Um, and I just I just found it really beneficial and and thoroughly interesting. Um, Yeah, taking it taking it very quickly further. sorry to
1: jump in again. Uh, There's a lovely book by uh, uh, Ewan MD. Uh, I think it's 101 Things I Wish I Knew About Hypnosis. Yeah. And he's a medical doctor, uh, and he uses hypnosis. And his book's really cool. has it's got it's, it's packed full of it's hundred and one great pieces of advice, mentoring advice. One of which, for example, if you're going to take someone into a long hypnosis session, make sure they go to the toilet first. <laughs> yeah, because that can disrupt. You know, he, he's had a, a disrupted session um, from that before, and it's worth taking note. But one of the key things is he states that conditions and illnesses that would normally respond really well to steroids responds really well to hypnosis. Hmm. Now, here's the thing: if we can imagine being in a, in a second, uh, uh, our mind. If we can imagine a situation in our mind, our body responds accordingly. Anxiety is a mood. Anxiety is a mood based on the base-level emotion of fear. You now, a similar, hungry lion walks in the room that creates the, uh, the emotion of fear in our brain in the, the limbic system yeah. it sends signals to the brain stem and fires up our autonomic nervous system to make real physiological changes in our body um, you know, adrenaline, noradrenaline, DHEA, cortisol are all starting being produced in the body firing up the cardiovascular system and so on the cardiovascular system and so on uh, getting our body ready for action so we can just imagine something and that can create the emotion in our mind that creates the physiological changes in our body that we interpret as feelings that feed back into the cognition and we get that little cycle going on. Yeah. So just imagining something and getting anxious is a psychosomatic response. We're creating a hormonal change in our body. So it's a very powerful thing and it's got it's got quite far-reaching, I believe, uh, medical um, um, applications that are yet to be fully explored. Yeah. Um, and the, the Felix, actually, I think, is... Um, um, with his work, um, it's hopefully, hopefully, as long as they don't switch off, going to make a few medical professionals, you know, think, oh, maybe there's something in this. Yeah, yeah. Especially when they research and find out that it's actually been studied before in the 70s, '60s and '70s, I believe as well. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's far-reaching on that side.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I think um, it would it would probably be remiss of me if I didn't ask you your thoughts um, um, on the, the subject of this recent phenomena of gastric band um, hypnosis what are your thoughts do you use it I um, 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 what, what are your thoughts about it um, um, go, go tell me I mean, yeah 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 T-t-t- you tell me then I'll tell you my thoughts
1: my thoughts are it's a fad and a gimmick firstly if you're a skilled hypnotist with a skilled hypnotee enough to uh, enough to create the experience of having a gastric band operation just give them the simple suggestion that they've had one (laughs) (laughs) what more do you need Um, if you're that good a hypnotist you've got that good a subject to create a whole gastric gastric band experience just give them the end results of it you know firstly so it's an absolute gimmick as to the actual process, and you know, you get the sessions that you need and what goes on during the sessions, just give them a the damn suggestion and be done with it. Sure. Um, but then again, knowing what I know, um, uh, what you're not doing is, is changing any of the base behaviors by giving them it. Um, and it, gastric bands don't actually, they're not officious anyway. Um, yeah. they're, they're terrible. I've got friends with gastric bands, and do you know what? Do you want to go through a gastric band really easily? Chocolate. <laughs> yeah, it goes in a liquid form. You know, um, fluid passes through our bodies very, very quickly. Uh, you know, 10, 15 minutes, and the fluid that we drink—if we don't have it in with food—goes right through our body. Taking liquid chocolate, oh, it goes right into our system quickly. Our stomach will empty uh, that really, really fast. So it doesn't—it doesn't actually work that way. Um, what the gastric band is basically doing is using signals of gastric distension. Uh, what happens is, as we eat normally, the uh, uh, the stomach expands, uh, and as it expands, the nerve endings around the stomach uh, pick up on this in a process called gastric distension, send a signal to the uh, uh, the, uh, the hypothalamus in the brain to create the feelings of satiety. In other words, yeah. you know, we're we're full. We, we're full. We can't have any more. Yeah. That's what a gastric band system is is actually. Doing, yeah, but by creating that and and falsifying it, we're not changing any of the base reasons that drove them to be uh, um, fat in the first place. Um, And you know, I I think the surgical procedure um, is the incorrect approach and it's not backed by uh, efficiency. Um, And not only that, I think the hypnotic procedure is is muppetry and a money making gimmick, and no more. So, to be quite blunt, I'm not a fan, yeah, yeah,
0: well, well, um. Um, one of my one of my issues with it is the fact that um, um, the media pick up on it. You know, you know, it makes for good reading, and you have these people. You know, this was me before I did it, um, and then they are on holiday with a pair of trousers that that look like, uh, you know, that they're, they're bursting at the seams and everything else, and then and then a slim version of them. Um, and of course, the stories that make the media are going to be impressive, and everybody thinks that that's a kind of generalised outcome of what occurs. And I'd be very interested to see a proper, uh, some proper research conducted with regards to you know w- whether these results are typical or atypical of what actually happens out there with therapists using this approach. I think one of my issues with it as well is. It's like it's it's very kind of it's seemingly symptomatic of tablet culture, which is you know I want to take a tablet to 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 get rid of my headache. I want to take a tablet to get rid of my cold. Um, I want to take a tablet to reduce my appetite. I want to take a tablet to make myself feel happier. Um, And it as opposed to learning the process of of how to be happy and, and and engaging with it, which which takes some effort. Likewise, I think people are better off learning how to engage in processes and thought patterns and beliefs and be self-motivated to develop skills, knowledge, understanding to reduce their weight as opposed to being a passive recipient of a psychological gastric band. Um, um, I think, you know, a couple of people have argued with that perspective with me before and said to me, well, you know, if someone comes because they've seen a success story in the paper, then perhaps we can ride in on that success and that belief and that expectancy. And, you know, okay, I can see some small merit in that, but I would prefer, and whenever anybody asks me for a gastric band, I will always talk to them in some depth and say you know I'd rather equip you um, um, with with other interventions that are gonna that are gonna last you a lifetime and, and help create a very different culture and attitude and perspective within your life as opposed to you being a passive recipient of of, of something um, and I, I tend to think that's where I sit with this
1: I hundred percent agree and you know that I'm like you I like I, I like to work in an evidence-based practice and while you were just explaining that, I quickly called up PubMed on my on my laptop and put in hypnosis gastric band. No items found. No,
0: there's nothing. There's absolutely no no research. It's it's not even found its way. You know, um, certainly within my own research and within my own PhD studies. You know, every now and then I'll put look at you know just look at a cursory glance of heterohypnosis applications in general terms. Um, used with weight reduction and there's very little let alone gastric band gastric band you know there's an absence of it it's been incredibly well marketed <laughs> by you, people for, yeah. selling it to other hypnosis professionals um, and and because of that very often on my diploma courses for example people say to me when are we going to learn of this hypnosis gastric band at what how much time is going to be dedicated to it when we look at weight reduction, and I say, well really there's not a huge amount for me to give you you know I can talk you through some of the scripts and things um, that I've used in my own audio programs and talk you through the the, the techniques and the strategies um, um, but the, the, you know it's not as complex as needing to go and invest in an entire program in my opinion. Um, I may well get death threats from um, hypnogastric band um, um, retailers and propri- proprietors, um, um, and, you know, it's certainly not meant to, to be sniffy. You know, if, if, if there are some people out there being helped as a result of this, you know, I don't want to I, I, – it's certainly not meant as, a, as, 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 as disrespectful.
1: Um, no, although saying that, I would say this exactly the same thing. What is the efficiency of your product?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Not, not anecdote. What is the efficiency of the product? That would mean. And for what, me, what kind maybe, of proper
0: follow-up procedures have been involved with that? You've
1: got it over what time period? Um, you know, said you know if it's the first year. In fact, actually, with any. Um, if you're going on a calorie deficit diet, after about six months, whatever calorie deficit approach you use, whether it's through a particular diet or or particular exercise, after six to eight months, basically they all level out at the same result.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, That's so after six to are... eight months before you get bigger again afterwards.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, um, we, we don't have time to get into it today, but um, one of the most insightful things that I ever read was um, Martin Seligman's book, um, What You Can Change and What You Can't. And there's a chapter on there about the psychology of weight reduction. And Martin Seligman is someone who I, I absolutely love and uh, he's a real hero of mine. Um, and um, um, uh, the chapter in there does talk about the psychological effect of doing that calorie controlled diet, reducing the weight, then putting it back on again, then makes it psychologically more difficult to reduce weight to the same level again thereafter um and and there and there are studies to support that you know if you keep yo-yoing in that way the yo-yo becomes much harder to dip and to maintain that dip um there's a
1: there's there's a very strong physiological reason why um our fat cells are adipocytes and what happens is they they store free fatty acids on a glycerol backbone triglycerides um basically when we've got um Ex- excess energy in our body uh, for gross generalization. The adipocytes will store them as what we would term fat. They'll grow up to four times their size. As they start approaching four times their size, stem cells will start creating more adipocytes. The adipocytes will start splitting into more cells. Every cell wants homeostasis, every cell wants to stay alive. So the fatter we get, the more fat cells that we create. The more fat cells that we create, the more they're going to stay alive. So the the best answer to uh, uh, obesity is not to become obese in the first place. Because once you're obese, all you can do is reduce the fat levels within the adipocytes. It's not yet known uh, whether you can actually reduce the actual number of fat cells.
0: Oh, but that, That's fascinating. That's fascinating. And thank so you, you for you, highlighting you, you, how little I know on this subject oh, <laughs> matter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you're quite right. I mean, it's a cycle. When you, uh, if you've got a calorie-restrictive diet uh, and also when you rebound, there are psychological and physiological reasons for these things happening.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, Gary, I, I know that there is... Um, so much more we could discuss on this. I know that you run a workshop on this. Um, um, well put. I'll put a link to the page on Gary's site um, where he does run a workshop on this. It's getting some of the most incredible feedback that I see. And uh, if, if you want to stay up to date with that as well, you can go and follow Gary's Facebook page and 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 read some of the stuff that he posts. Um, um, there, there's there's going to be quite a lot of stuff on our um, on our episode links. Um, I'll, I'll put I'll put everything that we've referred to today um gary thank you ever so much for coming and being involved here today um um, it's been a real pleasure and um yeah it's been nifty
1: it's been nifty well it's been snazzy talking to you too sir thanks gary (laughs) best wishes thank you very much for having me thank you
0: I just want to re-emphasize the point if it didn't really come across that clearly. Gary is absolutely one of the most learned people in the field of weight reduction and fat loss. Do track down his Facebook page and follow his updates. Read his blog entries. Examine his output on this subject. Um, I end up feeling tired reading how much he has researched and examined the existing knowledge base of this topic. It's such a complex subject matter, and his kind of expertise is incredibly rare. Many people claim to have answers that are simply unsupported, or they are punctuated with pseudoscience, myth, misconception, and they're... or, or their outdated perspectives that have been superseded by more recent um, research and evidence. Gary offers something that is accurate and considered um, um, that that you'll find anywhere in the world, um, um, according to me. Now, then, this week's hypnosis fact of the week: there are equally as many studies out there that suggest hypnotizability correlates with positive outcomes of clinical applications of hypnosis. And there are that suggest there is no such correlation. So it's still uncertain whether hypnotizability can truly be used as a predictor of positive outcomes for clinical applications of hypnosis. It varies across the different applications, absolutely. In my opinion, this is good news because it suggests that anyone can derive some benefit from hypnosis for some applications of it. If you have a factoid of the week or that you'd like to share, send it in to me. We may well feature it here. There may even be a prize for a good one. Now then, this week I have a competition. Our first competition, perhaps even our last. The prize is this. The winner of this competition can attend any of my classroom trainings at any time in the future for free. That is, every single course that I offer my hypnotherapy diploma training course, my cognitive behavioural hypnotherapy certificate, my science of self-hypnosis seminar, my rapid inductions and hypnotic phenomena for hypnotherapists seminar. Everything else that I offer can be attended for free anytime you want to, at least once. You can attend every course I offer once for free. How's that? That's the prize. Here is the competition. You would have noticed me joking with Gary um, about his use of the word nifty. I had not heard that in years. I thought it rather lovely. Between now and Christmas 2014, I will use the word snazzy casually in an episode. If you hear me using the word snazzy in any future episode, just snuck into a conversation, um, and and you know, i.e., not when I'm explaining this competition then you email me. The first person that emails me that spotted that will win the prize and get access to all of my training courses for free. If you email me and I did not say the word, you'll not be able to enter the competition again, so keep tuned if that prize is something that you are interested in. In our next edition, I'll be welcoming the world-renowned regression expert, author and hypnotherapist, Mr. Roy Hunter. I'll be interviewing him and we'll be discussing the case for and against the use of regression in therapy. I have many more exciting guests here in future weeks. We'll be discussing, debating, celebrating and above all, remaining friends. And to repeat, all the references made in the discussions, along with the related links, are posted at each episode on the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. My thanks go to Gary Turner and my thanks to you for listening. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions, questions. Please do message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website and I'll make sure they're addressed, answered and explored accordingly. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now.